Hey guys, on today's podcast, we're going to wrap up week five of the college football season and give you our top 10. Then we're going to review some of the headlines from the week four of the NFL. And then we're going to give you our MLB postseason predictions. Here we go. strength today is my partner in crime joey is finally back oh i missed this so so much yeah um you know what it actually i uh i don't want to like make you feel bad or anything but we had the same numbers without you here so i don't know if you're actually needed for this podcast anymore i i feel like at least one play would have gone down because probably my mom didn't listen, but that would have taken us from like six to five, I think. Yeah, so uh, we did. We were at five, and uh, tell your mom that I missed her listen and that I hope she listens this week so I can get all up in her ear. I would really appreciate you not saying it that way. I'm going to say it that way. So um, <laughs> on this schedule, guys, we're going to do some quick NCAA review. We're going to do some quick NFL review, and then we're going to give you our promised post baseball postseason preview for the uh al uh wild card the nl wild card and then the two uh divisional series or the four divisional series right because there's yeah anyway um ncaa review big news out of the weekend is that usc finally lost after playing with fire for three out of the last four weeks i mean the inevitable the inevitable was bound to happen uh Mike Leach being the guy that, to do it, kind of a surprise, but he played that. He, this team in Washington State now is kind of got a lack of the trademark no Mike Leach defense. They actually played some pretty solid defense against a really good quarterback. Yeah, I, I mentioned it on the pod. They had the number one uh, passing defense in the Pac-12 coming into this game, and it really showed because Sam Darnold went 15 for 29. He had a... Um, only had 164 yards, and he threw yet another interception, which put him at, I want to say, like, 8 or 9. Or no, it put him at 10, I think, and he only threw 9 all of last year. So, uh, I think Darnold might might be a little overrated a little bit. I think I mean, maybe everyone jumped onto that bandwagon a little too soon, but um, was very happy to see the Cougars win this game. Yeah, it was a fun one to watch, and the secondary, as good as they were, like you said, the passing defense is great, but I think that's largely attributed to there is a lot of pressure on Darnold all night. Well, and and to that point, USC's offense kind of limped into this game, and by halftime, they lost. Well, so they had a, a, a starting lineman who was out. By halftime, they lost two more. So 60% of their line was backups, and Wazoo took advantage of it. They were able to get pressure on Darnold. They were able to make him uncomfortable, and, and that's why they were able to have such a, a great defensive game against him. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. Yep. Um, f- a couple of little things here for uh, Wazoo. This was their first time uh, winning a game against a ranked opponent at home in 16 tries. And the last time they beat USC, uh, it was also 27 to 30. So that's a co- couple fun little haha moments for you. World's a fun place. 
world's a very fun place. Um, the next one I wanted to get into, and it's just because of the coaching situation, was Georgia and Tennessee. Now, ten or Georgia rolled in this game, forty-one to zero. But my question for you is: Will Butch, Butch Jones be the coach next season, or will he even make it to the end of this season? Uh, he definitely won't be the coach next season. And I'm really starting to question whether or not he makes it to the end of the season. We've talked about Butch before on this podcast, and neither one of us are really big fans of his. But to see it go this far down so quickly, this is usually a late October, early November kind of derailment at Tennessee. This has come early, and it's come hard. Yeah, so I looked at Tennessee's schedule, and right now they're 3-2, and two, and they only have one more ranked team on their schedule, which is Alabama. So my guess was after I looked at that, no, that's gonna be bad. But I figure Tennessee will maybe finish seven and seven, six and six, depending on which you know which game they drop and which one they pick up. Um, But I figure they have Southern Mississippi and Kentucky on the schedule, and a loss to either one of those teams would expedite the process, and and Bush will get kicked out of a good old Rocky Top before the end of. uh, the 2017 season. That's that's. I'm I'm kind of on that boat now. I don't think he's gonna make it. I I don't. I wouldn't expect him to get fired halfway through the season, but I definitely don't expect him to coach the bowl game as well. Here's my bold prediction: uh, Tennessee fires Butch Jones. Bring him greatest. Bring in greatest interim coach of all time at Ogeron, and then hire him and do the same thing that LSU did where he's not the coach that you think he is. He just knows how to get guys going that aren't his guys. I mean, that's one way to go, but he's also very much under contract. Yeah. But I mean, everyone's under contract when they're hired away from a new to a new school. So, you know, money can make a lot of magical things happen. God bless money. I wish I knew what it looked like. I wish I had a lot of it. Uh, last game we'll talk about is Clemson going on the road and beating Virginia tech. Uh, they're another dominating defensive performance. They had three, they forced three turnovers, including two by the freshman quarterback, Josh Jackson, who had 11 touchdowns and one pick coming into the game. Um, and with that win, they actually accomplished something that no other team has ever done. They have three top 25 victories in the month of September. So that's pretty impressive, especially when you throw in that it was, uh, they were all engineered by a first time starting quarterback. Yeah. And, First comment on Kelly Bryant, who's had a just fantastic month of September. He at this point he's not really a first time starting quarterback anymore. He's seen more than a lot of these guys that are more highly regarded but have been playing for longer. And he's seen as much, if not more, for than those guys. Yeah. And he's just way ahead of where anybody thought he might be at this point yeah his to throw that on top of this absolutely dominant 85 bears style defense it it's a great mix no you're absolutely right his his four of his first three games or three of his first four games sorry were against pretty ranked teams and pretty good teams and for him to go out and and play well that really that bumps up that xp bar and it it's huge so i i mean clemson is number two in the polls from ESPN, they're number one in my poll, and if they're going to keep playing like this, they are going to stay number one. They're going to do it for a long time, too. So I believe that was the perfect segue. We will now give you our third edition of our top ten teams going our 
after week four of college football. It's actually week five, isn't it? I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, my bad. So it's after week five of college excuse me, of college football. Um, like I just said, I have Clemson at number one, and all I needed to hear was they were the first team to win three games against top 25 opponents in September. Plus, they're the defending national championship. I like your uh, your comparison to the 85 Bears for their defense, and, and it was an easy choice for me. Yeah, uh, if people have been listening for a while, they know I've had Bam at the top this whole time, and just this one is enough to push me over the edge. Bama, as good as they are with just the eye test, they've yet to really be tested. Clemson's put themselves through the ringer and come out looking even better than I think that even Dabo would have thought, especially going to Virginia Tech at night. You got Enter Sandman, full day of preparation. That was an impressive, impressive win for me. Uh, Clemson jumps Bama at number one. Love it. So that means we both have Alabama sitting at number two. And after watching them, or not watching, after seeing them win 66-3, to I it can't be fun to be an Alabama fan during the regular season because you just know your teams are going to roll over everybody. I think it's kind of comparable. I mean, it's very hard to compare the regular season of college football where every game matters to the NBA. But as a Cavs fan, it's kind of similar where, yeah, no, we're going to be in the playoffs for the Cavs. We're going to be in the finals. Just let us know when that starts. So uh, when we talked about the finals in basketball, we knew that it was going to be Golden State and Cleveland. And I tried to get the term three match going. And I'm going to try and do that again this season with Clemson Alabama, and Alabama meeting in the national championship for the third straight time and the three match. So uh, I'm going to start hashtagging three match. And if you guys really like this show, you need to pick that up and get it going possibly make a t-shirt there we go um number three i have the oklahoma sooners based on my uh previously uh rule that i told you guys uh you're on a bye week so there's no punishment but you don't get any presence either uh i'm gonna go with penn state over oklahoma at number three for the simple fact that i think saquon barkley is outperforming Baker Mayfield right now. And I know how good Baker Mayfield has done, but if I had to take one of their best, because they're two very evenly matched teams, so if I just compared their best players head-to-head, I'm going to take Barkley over Mayfield. I think that's fair, but I think, and, and obviously the Heisman voters will end up deciding this at the end of the season, but because Mayfield touches the ball on every single play, I think that you have to give it to him because that whole offense runs through Baker Mayfield. And at Penn State, they have Trace McSorley who can throw the ball 70 yards in the air and get it to one of his receivers. I think it's I think it's a great discussion to have. Um, and I, I think it's going to be an awesome Heisen race between those two because I think it's those two and no one else for me right now. But um, I do I, I think that Baker is a little bit better. Agree to disagree, but the point is I'm going to take the Nittany Lions over the Sooners for right now. And I assume you have the Nittany Lions right behind the Sooners. Oh, 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 oh. No, you assume wrong. And when you assume, you make an ass out of you. I have the Georgia Bulldogs rolling up into the number four really? spot. Yep, they've, they've been impressive. They, they won on the road on, at night against Notre Dame. They stomped Mississippi State at home. And then they just went and gave Tennessee their worst home loss in 100 years. This team's on a roll. I, I like it. I, I like what I'm seeing from Georgia, and 
I want to I want to give them that uh, jump. And I think the biggest uh, reason that I can actually a concrete reason that I can give you for this jump is that they've beat two ranked teams. Penn State hasn't even played one. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I have Georgia just behind Oklahoma and number five. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. They have an impressive resume. I, I just there's something about that team, whether it be the freshman quarterback pushed in there, not entirely ready. Uh, he does have Nick Chubb to fall back on, of course. But there's something about this team in the eye test for me that I just can't get all the way in on them. Well, I think you might be onto something because Jake Fromm finally had a bad game. I think he was like seven for fifteen for eighty-four yards. Um, didn't didn't play particularly well, and I think that that uh, what's his name Kirby Smart has to be careful here because if he starts giving Eason some reps, then Fromm's gonna start looking over his shoulder and he's gonna start playing uh, bad. And it's just I, all those cliches of if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Exactly. So I think that is something to look out for for Georgia. But based on their resume so far, I think that that they're solid at number four. All right. And who do you have at number five, then? I got the Nittany Lions at five. I mean... There they are. Yep. They, they're, the Penn State has looked great all season. They they won when they had to in Iowa. They beat everyone else pretty easily. Like, they beat Indiana by 31 at home. Um, Trace McSorley is really good at quarterback. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is one of the best uh, players in the entire country. Um, but it's like I said, uh, they, it's like I said before... They haven't played a ranked opponent, and I thought that left them susceptible to being jumped. I understand. You have Georgia at five? I have Georgia at five, and at number six, my team that you don't like that will not go away, the Washington Huskies. It's not that I don't like them. It's just they, they're another one of those teams that haven't played anybody, and I, I need to see a ranked opponent on your out-of-conference schedule. I just, I need to see that. I don't think you need to do the Clemson where you play three and five games or three and four games or whatever they did. But you need to have at least one ranked opponent, and that's why I'm not as big on the Huskies. But um, I do have them at six. I have Mich- I, I'm sorry, I have them at seven. I have Michigan at six. And it's like I said before, bye weeks to so no punishment and no present. Um, they're going to have a new starting quarterback when they go out against Michigan State in uh, the rivalry game which is being played at night for the first time in the history of this rivalry. So that's that's going to be pretty exciting. I did not exciting. know that. What? I did not know that about it being played at night. Yep, first time played at night, 7 o'clock kickoff. So that'll be fun. Um, like I said, I have uh, Washington at 7. Uh, that leads to number 8, and I'd love to know who you have sitting at 8. Uh, at number 8, I have the Michigan Wolverines. Fair. I think there's still a lot of to be tossed in the air about the quarterback position there. We've talked about it before. I won't go into too much into it, but it's a dominant defense with a lot of questions on the off, offensive side of the ball. I think that's I think that's very fair. At, uh, I have another Big Ten team at number eight, and it's the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, they beat Northwestern at nine at, by nine at home, which is a little disappointing, but we know what we have with the Badgers. Northwestern's better than you would think. I mean, they shouldn't be competing with the number nine. Eight or nine team. You need country, to be. You need not a bad football team. You need to beat Northwestern. When you're a top ten team, you should beat Northwestern by double digits at home. Nine is not acceptable. Now, things happen, and next week they can really prove themselves when they go on the road against Nebraska. If they if they go out and stomp them like they should, so 
I still have faith in the Badgers because, like we said, we know what they are. They're the Spurs. They're going to win, and they're going to be quiet about it. But I noticed that they only won by nine, and uh, I, I have a little bit higher expectations for that. Speaking of nine, if it's nine, it's fine. Who do you have sitting there in the nine spot? I got those Badgers right there at number nine, one nice. spot behind where you have. Nice. Um, so I, because of my rule, I had to maybe shuffle around and put some teams where maybe over uh, a little higher than they should be. But I have uh, Washington State coming in at number nine. They just beat a uh, top five team, and they're still undefeated, which is very impressive. Um, but they also had the week out of conference schedule, and they had to go to overtime to beat Boise State. So uh, that's a little a little disheartening. But the Cougars are trending in the right direction as their conference play continues. So because uh, of that win, I'll go ahead and give them a reward of the nine spot. I was thinking similarly, but not as generous with you because I have them coming in at 10. That's fair. I like I like them at 10. I have a team at 10 that uh, I don't really think belongs. Um, I had the Ohio State Buckeyes slide in and, and scoop up that last spot. And they've done what they're supposed to do since they lost to the Sooners. They've blown out the bad teams. Um, but the next chance to prove that they have to the, the next chance they have to prove that they actually belong, is when they have Penn State come to Columbus. Um, and that's not until the last week of October. Though. Exactly. And they have Maryland at home, and they play Nebraska on the road. Both of those teams, especially Maryland, I don't think is very good. So, um, you know, if they keep winning and winning big, obviously you have to respect that. But, uh, you know, there was there were a couple other teams I'd like to slide in, but they weren't playing this week, and, and I'm going to stick to the rules that I set for myself with, uh, with no punishment and no presence on a bye week. So, uh, that wraps up our top ten, I think. One thing I do want to say really quick is that it, there's kind of like an annoyance to me when we have these rankings every week. Not us in particular, but just college football fans. Just because at the end of the day, we know Ohio State's going to be in the playoff picture at least. not Maybe not in it, but right now we have them arguably at 10 or 11. And just because all these teams in front of them really haven't lost yet. Well, I, I will say we'll we'll find out if Ohio State will be in the playoff picture in three weeks when when they when they travel. If Ohio State loses that game, their season's essentially over. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying because there are some teams in here that that definitely won't be here by the time the the playoff picture really starts coming into focus, and you know it it, it steals spots from the teams that really do belong. So I, I get what you're saying and I get the annoyance. But that's just that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, no, I I know. Just venting a little bit. I understand. Now we will move on to some NFL review, and we're gonna start with a team that's kind of uh, throwing out some question marks, and that's the New England Patriots. They lost thirty three thirty at home. They now sit at two and two, and are third in their division. Obviously, it's not the offense. They've put up points in almost every single game. So how far can this team go without a defense, Joey? I mean. They still can do all right, but if we look at, they are currently ranked with the worst opponent passer rating at 116.6, which is slightly worse than the Cleveland Browns, who, based on that stat, are officially better than the Patriots. Defensively. Beside the point. Nope. Just let me have this. (coughs) I mean, you guys are only two games behind the Patriots right now, so you never know. Still, they're still going to wind up in the AFC Championship game, and that's just what they do. 
I don't know because I've never in my time watching football and watching it seriously. I've never I don't remember a New England defense being this bad. And obviously Tom Brady is playing great and he's thrown, you know, however many touchdown passes and, and only one pick or whatever. I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but this team is still two and two and they lost to a Panthers team who wasn't very good and they let a, a rookie quarterback go off against them and almost beat them at home or was that at home or on the road? Doesn't matter. That was at home. They almost let a, a rookie quarterback come in and beat them on at home. They got stopped by the Chiefs, who are a really good football team. And then they went out and they beat somebody by a lot because that's what they always do after they lose. But I, I'm definitely losing a little faith in my pick to win the Super Bowl. And so is Las Vegas because the Patriots aren't favored to be in the Super Bowl or win it. And they're not even the favorite in the AFC anymore. So I do think that there's a, there's cause for a little panic and that Belichick better get Patricia to, you know, to figure out what he can do with this defense to to get them to be competitive at least because a Patriots defense or a Patriots team led by Bill Belichick should never really be the ones to give up the highest QBR to opposing teams. It definitely is weird, and I, I know it's an 11-man game, but they did lose uh, Dante Hightower week one in that Thursday game against Kansas City, and I think that might be a little bit of a bigger lost than most people real had thought of and have realized i would probably agree with that and you know it's just like when the lions now jared davis isn't as good as dante hightower but he's the the staple of that defense and when they lost him for uh the game against um atlanta you know it, it, it leaves a hole that opposing teams can take advantage so i i absolutely think that you're right uh, next, it came out that Mitch Trubisky is starting for the Bears Monday night versus the Minnesota Vikings. Is this the turnaround that the Bears need to get going? I mean, it's not the turnaround just because you're going to have rookie shortcomings. I mean, everybody's going to have that. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure the longest pass Mike Lennon threw on Thursday came off of his knee. He's just really bad, and you have to do this. That was topical. I like that. Yeah, no. Um, I think that all this really proves is that the the Bears look even stupider now after signing Glennon for sixteen million, and he's going to eventually make eighteen million just to to hold a clipboard. Um, and it, it's just it's too bad. Um, I think that that fans and teams will sell that. You know, we're going to redshirt this guy and um let him develop for a year before we throw him in the game. But that doesn't happen for a lot of QBs, and and I looked, I did some research, and I found out how many games QBs would, how many games QBs were in before they actually got their start. Some notable rookie quarterbacks. So, um, Jay Cutler sat for 12 games before he got his start. Rogers sat for 49. Campbell, Jason Campbell sat for 26. Philip Rivers sat for 33. So, um, redshirting a, a a rookie quarterback isn't really a thing anymore. So if your GM says that, just know that you're going to see that guy, you know, in less than 10 games. Well, because the problem is that all these people that need quarterbacks and are drafting quarterbacks, none of them have quarterbacks that they feel comfortable putting out on the field. Well, That's why they're drafting a quarterback in the first place. Not too many times do we see Phillip Rivers sitting behind Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre. Because if you're a top quality quarterback your team and you're gonna get drafted at the top of the draft because your team doesn't have a quarterback exactly and you're gonna get thrown in and you're probably not gonna do very well because you're you're surrounded by a team that's not very good 
you're you're under pressure to to immediately turn this team around and and obviously the list can go on and on but i just thought those were interesting numbers they are interesting numbers but there are uh, there's other numbers i don't have them in front of me but there's no real determinant the uh numbers that determine that sitting a quarterback or starting him right away is helpful in either direction oh no but it's pretty hit or miss on both sides no exactly it's just just like it's usually hit or miss when you even draft a guy like that you know you can do all the research in the world but you know you never know how it's actually going to turn out now we just spoke about the minnesota vikings and they received some troubling news over the weekend when dalvin cook tore his acl now obviously you hope for a full recovery for dalvin and that he'll be back next season but um i think minnesota season is now officially over what do you think I, it's definitely leaning that way, but I'm not going to hit the kill switch on them yet just because their passing game has been able to do a lot more than I think people thought, myself included. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen just been throwing up numbers left and right. So I, I understand why you think that, but I want you to look at the teams that, that they've gone off, quote-unquote, against. Um, Sam Bradford went off against the New Orleans Saints, who are starting two rookies in their secondary and have arguably – probably the third worst secondary in the NFL and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are under a rookie head coach and never really play consistently. So I'm not ready to, to believe that Sam Bradford or Case Keenum could lead this team. Um, I know that, that Logan Murray is the guy they signed from Oakland and he could be a, a he can be a good runner, but he's kind of coming back from injury. Um, I, I think their defense will keep them competitive in most of these games, but I think having a lack of an offense and a lack of playmakers on that offense is ultimately what's going to cost them. It probably will, but I'm just saying it's not dead yet. Hmm. Agree to disagree. Next, uh, Antonio Brown had a little interaction with a cooler that some people are talking about. Uh, what'd you think? You like it or uh, dislike it? I mean, you like to see that kind of thing every now and then, but definitely not from one of your star players in Antonio Brown. So... I, I don't mind because like I, I like it when players kind of show their emotion and they show how passionate they are. Just like I didn't mind when OBJ hit the kicking net. And I know that some people prefer the, the kind of be quiet, keep your head down, and do your job players. And those players are important. And to be honest, I always love that Calvin Johnson never ever had a tirade like that on the sideline where, where Stafford missed him or, or some other awful quarterback that threw to him. Missed him. He never slammed his helmet down. He never threw anything. Never went to the media and said, I should get more touches. Never did anything like that, and I appreciated it. But I also like it when guys wear their heart on the sleeve. And I think that there's a fine line between you know being passionate and letting it show versus being a distraction and acting like a child. And uh, Antonio Brown kind of towed the line a little bit. But when your QB misses you for a touchdown in the heat of the moment, I think it's hard to hide that when you are uh, an uber-competitive person like I assume Antonio Brown is. Uh, and to clarify my comments, I did not not like it from Antonio Brown in particular because it was too childish or anything like that. It was because I'm scared of Antonio Brown getting hurt. That guy is way too valuable <laughs> to my football team if I'm the Steelers, even though I kind of, as a Browns fan, hope he does get hurt. But, Come on. Uh, so... But, yeah, no, I mean, that kind of stuff can just lead to crazy weird accidents, like Blake Griffin breaking his hand, punching somebody in the face. That's These true. things are, like, avoidable accidents that inevitably happen, and I would 
avoid one of the best players in the league doing it if I was them. That's fair. Uh, last one that I want to talk about, the Kansas City-Washington game last night. Kansas City covered the spread in literally the worst way imaginable if you bet the, the uh, skins in the under. And that's just – I just feel bad for you, and I really, really – I really feel bad for you. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, that was just – I can't imagine how many people – we're just absolutely devastated. That was hilarious in the most tragic way possible. So I didn't watch the game last night, so I didn't know what the score was when I, w- I woke up and I was driving into work this morning, and they said, oh, the, the, skin, or the uh, Chiefs won 29-20, and then they described the play, and I was just so happy that I took the, the Chiefs in the points because it's like, all right, this is awesome. Cause exactly. I, I just I, we, we both went 7-3 and three this week in our picks, so we're doing real well there. And if you guys aren't listening or you're not taking note, you probably should be. We're trying to give you guys money yeah. that you can then give to us. Yeah, then you exactly. So uh, that wraps up football for this week. So now we're going to move on to the event of the evening, the postseason preview for the MLB playoffs. First game is tonight. It's underway. Uh, the Twins and the Yankees are playing. And currently, I don't have a score in front of me. Last time I saw, it was 1-0 to zero in uh, favor of the Minnesota Twins. So uh, it, Last I saw, it was actually 3-0, to zero, and Severino had already been pulled out of the game two-thirds of an inning in. Wow. That is, uh, that's not good if you're the Yankees. And if you're, if you're me, that's not good because diving right into my, my thoughts here, I thought with the Yankees at home, Severino has pitched pretty well at home. Uh, they also have a lot of sluggers on that team, and that's not necessarily a. Uh, oh my God, it's uh, three zero bottom of the first. One out though, and the Yankees have guys on the corner. So anyway, as I was saying, the Yankees are are in a hitter friendly park, and they have a lot of sluggers. So I kind of figured that they would win this game, especially when you look at Irvin Santana, who's on the mound for the Twins. Um, he's had a good season. But he's 0-5 in the new Yankee Stadium, which it's not necessarily new, but you know what I mean. And uh, he's got an ERA of six and some change. So right now, I think it's ended up being a shootout. There might be, but I would want to bring up his numbers just on the road just this season. Uh, he's 10-3, 271 ERA, and a whip of just over one. He's been very dominant on the road this year. And, and obviously, you know, maybe it'll carry over, but you also have to worry about if he's going to have the, the David Price effect. That's always a risk. Uh, but Santana's been a guy that's seen playoff baseball a couple of different places, and I'm honestly not too worried about that if I'm a Twins fan. I mean, just, just to play devil's ad, advocate and just to be a dick, um, David Price has also seen playoff baseball in a couple of different places. That's true. He's just not very good at it. No, and 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 you, in saying you don't know if he'll turn into David Price is a weak argument. Um, but I, you know, like I said, just playing devil's advocate and and just for the sake of uh, argument, I uh, I wanted to throw that out there. All right. And what do you think about uh, the game tomorrow night in the NL, where we don't have the hindsight of being almost an inning into it while we record? Well, I don't think. Did you give your? Who do you think's winning that matchup? Oh, I. I there's no way to document it, but I picked the Twins before they <laughs> jumped out to 3-0 just because of the numbers Santana has on the road this year. Severino, 
had not been nearly as good at home this year as he had been on the road as well. So for that reason, I was taking the Twins. All right, that's fair. Uh, I was taking the Yankees for the reasons that I gave. Uh, Santana and Yankee Stadium hasn't been great. The Yankees are, uh, the Bronx Bombers, I should say, are at home field, and I think that they're uh, good for the win there and that they would move on to play your Indians. Now, I want it noted that I'm sticking with my Yankees prediction even after knowing that they're down three in the first inning. Like, that's how honest I am with you, Peter. That's an integrity move. Yeah, I'm all about the integrity. Now, like you said, let's move on to the game tomorrow night. The Rockies traveling to Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are sending out Zach Grinke to the mound, and I know that you got some numbers on our boy Grinke. Yeah, no, at home this year, this guy has been absurdly dominant. He's 13-1 and with a 287 ERA, a whip, which is uh, walks and hits per innings pitch of under one at 957. Those are bananas numbers. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat this guy at home. Yeah, and just for the listeners out there who don't know a lot about baseball statistics, a whip of one is considered good. If you have a whip below one, you're freaking dominant. So uh, that shows how great Zach Greinke is at home, and I'm right with you. I think that the they have Greinke going to the mound, and he's been great at home. They have Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman at the plate. Both guys are sluggers who had a really nice regular season and are going to probably continue that into the postseason. And they also have J.D. Martinez, who immediately became the newest version of Barry Bonds when he got traded to Arizona. So uh, You do realize Blackman and Arenado play for Colorado, correct? Uh, yeah, I just read that in my notes. I apologize for that. My bad, guys. Thought I'd clear that up. That makes the Diamondbacks a lot tougher at the ALDS. <laughs> yep, that's my fault. I uh, I definitely read that one wrong. I, I was excited about my notes, but w- the point is they're sending a dominant pitcher. They have the best hitter in baseball, or the hottest hitter in baseball right now in J.D. Martinez. Uh, I, I think the Diamondbacks take this one. I agree. And I'll, to piggyback on your boys, Blackman and Arenado, uh, mostly Blackman, his splits at home and away are very much in favor of home where he's playing in Coors at that high altitude with the short fences. Uh, his OPS drops about 215 points when he goes on the road, and that's going to be a big problem, against, especially against an ace such as Grinky. Yeah, you, you definitely don't want you, – you better bring your A game, and he doesn't necessarily do that when he's on the road. Um, next, we're going to look into the divisional series. This one is set in stone, and that is the games between the Red Sox and the Astros. Give me your rundown, Joey. Uh, well, basically, the Astros were had a dominant first half, and it really cooled down, but I'm going to toss it out to your guy, Justin Verlander, who since being traded to Houston is 5-0 and with a 1.06 ERA, a whip of 0.647. That's as good as you get. Uh, and I think the depth of that rotation when you throw in the uh, colors and uh, their ace, whose name is escaping right now, holy hell. Uh, but they have a very dominant lineup or uh, rotation, and their lineup is what got them to such a big lead in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Now, they brought in Verlander, and him playing at the high level that he's capable of playing at took that rotation to a brand new level. And they have the hitting uh, mindset of, hey, we're going to hit a home run and we're going to strike out, and that that's worked for them so far. And I think it's going to continue in the playoffs, especially considering the Red Sox are kind of 
limping into this series. David Price is in the bullpen, and he might not even be able to pitch. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is also injured, and uh, that's not necessarily great. Now, obviously, they still have Chris Sale, and he's a really, really good pitcher, but uh, I, I think they're in a little bit of trouble. I also think it's noteworthy to say that no one in a Red Sox uniform this season hit more than 25 home runs, which means that pitching will have to win the games. And I think I'm going to take the Astros hitting ability over the Red Sox pitching ability. I, I would completely agree with that. I'm looking at Altuve's numbers right here, who's prob- most likely and probably should win the American League MVP. He had a war of 8.0, uh, 204 hits. The fourth year in a row he's had 200 hits, uh, 24 home runs, a little power surge from the little guy that we don't usually see in an OPS of 957. He's just had a monster season, and he's been going to lead that lineup. The dude is insane. Next, we are going to move on to your team. Uh, they will either be playing the Twins or the Yankees. And uh, what, what, do, what do you think? In your unbiased opinion, what do you think? I, the way this team played in the last month and a half of the season, I don't – I trying not to be biased but i just don't see how they could possibly lose in the alds and probably in the alcs i mean they were just absurdly efficient both with their bats and their pitching and i don't think either of the teams playing right now have a shot i think that one thing that the indians have going for them is that you know they they obviously they just had that huge winning streak but they want revenge for what happened last season and not necessarily that doesn't mean that they want to play the Cubs in the World Series, even though they would love that. But I just mean they want to get back there and prove to those people that it wasn't a fluke last season that we went this far and lost that game. Or it was a fluke that we went this far and lost that game. We are the best team in baseball, and we deserve to bring this cup home. So I think that they have that going for them, which is great to have that kind of chip on your shoulder going into the playoffs. Then you add Corey Kluber, who is the best pitcher in the AL. You have Francisco Lindor. You have Jose Ramirez. This team is literally littered with talent that could be i mean they they basically could have an all-star team just from the indians um last year they rode their pitchers to the world series with a team era of 3.30 and that was with their number two and three starters out and i was just gonna say the pitching is back and better they improved their batting uh whoever they play in this series to me doesn't really stand a chance and I think the Indians are going to be uh, dancing in the ALCS. I agree. And real quick on the ALCS, assuming the Indians were to get there, one of the biggest things in these five- and seven-game playoff series is your number one starter just because it, he's a guy that's going to get used at least twice, usually three times if it needs to go that far. And against the Indians in their careers – Verlander is 20 and 24 with a 4.71 ERA, a 1.38 whip against the tribe. Uh, stuff we've alluded to before, but with numbers to support it this time, Verlander's not good against the tribe for whatever reason. Sale over in Boston, where they, if they were to win that series, similar situation. Not as many starts, obviously, not as long of a career, but five and eight with an 8.78 ERA and a very similar whip at 1.348. Yeah, it certainly looks like it's lining up for the Cubs, or the Cubs, the Indians to get back to the the World Series and and potentially take it back to the mistake by the lake. Now, fuck you up. We're gonna switch over to the National League, where we have the defending World Champions, 
going against the Washington Nationals. What do you think? Now, in this one, Scherzer has, I think, it's very close between him and Kershaw for the NL Cy Young. I would personally go Scherzer just because of the longevity of his season. Point is, Scherzer's really good, and he's not that much better than the next guy on that team and Gio Gonzalez and Steven Strasburg. They got a really good lineup to follow that as well with Bryce Harper and Trey Turner both having monster seasons. Bryce Harper obviously just coming back from injury, but he's Bryce Harper. He's going to be able to contribute. Uh, I really like Washington. Yeah, I mean, to, to allude to what you just said, um, the Nationals have three ace pitchers, three aces that they can send out, and they all have an ERA of below three. So that's pretty insane. They're getting Bryce Harper back from the injury. Ryan Zimmerman produces power at the first base. The Nationals are a really, really good baseball team. And they're going to go against a team that kind of got off to a slow start. And they obviously they won their uh, – I'm talking about the Cubs. They won their uh, division. But it seemed like they kind of lacked energy, were kind of the World Series hangover for most of the season. And I think people believe that they can flip the switch – once the the playoffs start, but this isn't a team that you can just. I don't think the the Nationals are a team that you can just flip the switch on against and be ready to roll. I think that you probably want to come into this series with a little momentum behind you, and uh, I think the Cubs lack that. So I'm I'm definitely thinking that the Nationals are going to win this series and go to the NLCS. And who are they going to play there, Matt? Ooh, that's where it gets interesting, as the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are going to be fighting for that right, obviously. The Dodgers started hot and won 52 of 61 games and then followed it with an 11-game losing streak in September. Now, they obviously they, they bounced back and won over 100 games, and they have Clayton Kershaw back, which is really nice. Uh, is that really that nice, though? You know, it's it's like the David Price thing. You never know what, what Kershaw you're going to get. Is it going to be the dominant regular season, or is it going to be the average to below average playoff. Hopefully, he, he flips the switch because I think the Dodgers are, are going to win this series. But, you know, you never you never know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you where I'm going with that because I think the Diamondbacks are going to beat the Dodgers. Uh, they have a winning record against the Dodgers this year who are in their division. That definitely is means something. And besides Grinky, who we already talked about, they also have their number two starter, Robbie Ray, who is 15-5 and five with a 289 ERA on the year. He's been almost as good. Kershaw, on the other hand, is in his career 4-7 and seven in the playoffs with an ERA over 4-5, which is over two points higher than his average for the regular season in his career. There's something about October that doesn't get Kershaw going, and I think it's going to be a real problem. No, you're absolutely right, and the the Dodge. Oh, I'm sorry, the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks had one of the better seasons in the MLB, but it was completely overshadowed because the team in their division was the Dodgers, who were unbelievably hot for like two thirds of the season. So, um, I'm not gonna hate on your Diamondbacks pick because if JD Martinez can get to the uh, NLCS and even the World Series, then I'd be happy. Uh, there's a lot of former Tigers on the. Uh, in the, in the playoffs this year. So that's going to be tough to watch, but it's all good. Now, uh, that, that'll that wrap up our uh, baseball predictions, won't it? 
Uh, for the time being, we're gonna take another shot at them once we get most of these wrong. Yep, we will. We will be sure to preview the NLCS and the ALCS and give you our, excuse me, our uh, prediction for the World Series. Uh, a couple quick things that I want to take care of really as fastly as I can. Um, follow us on Twitter at Buds Beers. Uh, you can hear. You can find the link to our podcast. You can see the games that we pick, and uh, you can use that information however you choose. You should also uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, same name at uh, we're Buds and Beers on there. Uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, that would be great. It would be even better if you listen, rate, subscribe, and leave a comment because Joey will send you a T-shirt. Um, don't forget that we want to hear from you about some of the games that we pick. We want to hear about you for the MLB postseason. So tweet at us, guys. We, we want to hear. And if you send us the games, we're both pretty good at picking against the spread so far this year. Neither one of us has been below 500. So, you know, we, we I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but we kind of know what we're talking about. So... That is something that you definitely should do. Now, on to one last thing. Joey, what is your one last thing? Uh, Sunday morning, I was in the parking lot before the Browns game, having a few sodas, and I got into an argument about the top five musicians of all time, and one of the people I mentioned was the late, great Tom Petty, who obviously died the next day. Uh, That's very upsetting for me. That was actually the first concert I ever went to. Uh, big fan of Tom Petty's, and I'm going to miss him. Yep, it is. It was very sad to hear of Tom Petty's passing. He did die of cardiac arrest. If you didn't, and if you don't know the name Tom Petty, you probably have heard one of his songs because he has a lot of classic ones, and he's a very talented artist. And we're actually going to switch out our closing song this week to honor Tom, Tom Petty. Um, the one last thing for me was the horrible shooting that took place on Las Vegas. That was Sunday night slash Monday morning. And it was horrible. So um, this podcast, our thoughts and our prayers are going out to all the families that were affected by the violence. Um, If you guys want to help, there is a page on GoFundMe for the families. Uh, I I thought I heard that the goal was to collect $3.5 million. But it would be really cool if the effort that was uh, put there for J.J. Watt's Hurricane Harvey Fund was replicated into the Las Vegas Families Fund. So... Um, if you have some extra money, make sure you, you know, maybe you could do something really cool with it and send it their way. Um, you know, money isn't going to replace the loved ones that they lost, but it can certainly help with some of the issues that they're going through. So keep that in mind. You got anything else? No. With all that being said, have a great week and let's look forward to some playoff baseball. I've been waiting for it. Yeah, no one else has. I'm looking forward to, uh, some college football. Have a good day, guys. We'll see you later.
this town. Oh my my, oh hell yes, honey put on that party dress. Buy me a drink, sing me a song, take me as I come cause I can't stay long. Last dance with Mary Jane, one more time to kill the Coming soon.